You may be seated. We, you would grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses before we start here. Uh, this is the foundation verse of what we do here at the Anchor. Uh, we presently have, uh, outside of the Zanesville Church, we have um, seven, seven daughter works. And so we have eight total churches in Ohio. And right now we have uh, 16 churches in Guatemala uh, from a minister, Noe Bernitos, that is out of our church. He went there in 2009 and started ministering there. And after a few years became a full-time missionary. We sponsor him solely from here. Never had to deputize. And uh, that's been going on since um, just, I can't remember exactly. I think it might have been since 2012 that he has been there full-time as a missionary. And we've, we support him through our missions. And they have 16, 16 churches there. And so it's been very, very powerful. And I'm going to talk with just the practical side, what we do here, he does there, to train up and to send out. Train up and send out. And uh, first I want to give honor to Bishop Stark, amen, with the Kramer District Board. And don't we appreciate our leadership in Ohio? Um, I would talk, uh, talk about what God was doing, but not too recently do I feel, feel okay to talk about the processes. And we've been doing daughter works and multi-campus since 2009. And I feel like we've, we've got some ground unders. Not that we don't have it, not that we have it all figured out, but... Uh, um, just some of the things we found that work and some things that do not work. But this is the foundation portion of Scripture for us in Titus chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Paul labels himself, he calls himself who he is and he says he's an apostle. He goes on and says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through what? Everybody say, There's power in preaching. Which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, my own what? Son, after the common faith. To understand multi-campus, you've got to understand spiritual sonship. Elisha said to Elijah, they were not biologically connected, but he said, my father, my father. Paul said, you have not many fathers, but you have one, for I have begotten thee, speaking to Timothy. And to understand multi-campus, you've got to understand sonship. Uh, there has to be a loyal connection. Uh, between you and the pastors that come out from under you. There's got to be a God connection, uh, a father-son relationship biblically. And he understood uh, who he was. He said, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete. Left who? Paul said, I've left Titus. I've left you there that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting or needing, and do what? He said, I'm leaving you to ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Paul sent Titus. Titus has the liberty to now raise up and ordain elders in every city 
in Crete, in that island, in that place. God has given him the authority. Who was Titus? Turn to the last chapter, chapter 3, verse 15. And it describes him. Um, verse 15 says, All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. It was written to who? Titus ordained the first bishop of the church of the Cretans from uh, Nicopolis of Macedonia. And uh, Titus was a bishop. And what was the role of a bishop? The word bishop actually means an overseer by visitation. Titus was the bishop to the elders. Elders, interchangeable word with pastor here. But Titus's role was as a bishop to raise up, ordain, and to send trusted preachers, pastors, elders, to cities that needed to hear the gospel. One man can't do it all. One man can't do it all. Uh, I, I can't preach in every city. I can't teach every Bible study. But let's, let's, let's break this down. Let's put this in one building and let's think about the local church. I cannot preach on Sunday and preach to the youth and preach to the children and work the nursery and, 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 and take all the departments and I do all of the ministering to everybody in the church. No, we understand that locally. And the American church even understands this. That, that we, I remember when youth leader became known as youth pastor, then children's director. Children's, when I was a kid, they were called children or Sunday school superintendents. And then later we started acknowledging that you can have somebody that's a pastor of children in our own building. We weren't threatened by that. And we would call them pastor so-and-so, pastor, we have assistant pastors. And because in the local church, we realize that one pastor cannot minister to every demographic of the church. That there are people called under him, seniors pastor. We've got family pastors now. We've got executive pastors and we've got music pastors. We understand that there is, that you have a senior pastor, an overseer pastor in the local church. We see that in a building, but to understand multi-campus, you've got to think that way. We see a a multi-campus church as someone that's coming out of the church, that's going into another city with that same type of connection. Somebody that's the children's pastor isn't autonomous. They're not autonomous from you. The youth pastor is not autonomous from from you, uh, the, the, they're under your what? Leadership and under your covering. When God calls, now I realize multi-campus isn't for everybody, so let me be very, very clear about that. Multi-campus is not for everybody. But I do believe, uh, I, I remember the paradigm. How many know paradigm shifts happen? That God begins to change the way we think. I remember uh, when I was a boy, when I was a boy, the way I thought, can't say everybody thought this way, but growing up in the church, I thought, I thought this way is that you got voted into a congregation. So you became the pastor of the people in a building. Now I remember Wayne Huntley getting up and preaching. Uh, Brother Wayne Huntley got up and preached message. God didn't call you just to pastor the people in the building. He called you to pastor a city. You're the pastor of that city. And all of a sudden my mind in one sermon began to think outside of a building. And all of a sudden you become the pastor of the people that don't even t- attend your church. How many believe that? 
You're the, you're the go-to. You're the leader. You preach the funerals in the community. People want you to preach their funeral. They might not attend your church, but they, they, they come to you. They're seeing your church as the answer. And then I heard somebody get up and went along uh, somewhere in my raise, raising in the church. Somebody got to preach. God's called you to a region. I personally believe God has called me to this region. I don't believe God's just called me to this city. I believe God, uh, and I say it with humility, I believe God's called me to southeastern Ohio. I believe that. Uh, all the way to Wheeling, I could take you to the jurisdictional lines where I have spiritual authority. I'm under authority. Bishop, Bishop knows this. I'm submitted to them. They would tell me not to start a church in one of these cities. I would, not, I would not start the church. And you might say, well, what if God spoke to you? It's on them. It's not going to be on me. Amen. But I'm going to submit to authority. Let me just say this. Whether they're right or wrong. Well, I feel like God gave me a word. If they don't want it, I'll just drop my card and I'm going to go do my own thing. You're going to die is what you're going to do. You're going to die in isolation. You're going to to not have any spiritual clout because if you cannot be under authority, you cannot have authority. And I say to every preacher in this room, you better be very careful to step outside of your pastor because you think you know more than him and you go do your own thing. Because it's like the seven sons of Siva. When they, when they were dealing with the demonic, demon, uh, 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 he was a man possessed by devils. And when they came against, when, when, when they came against this man and uh, uh, tried to cast him out, the devil spoke out of that man. And he said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? No spiritual recognition because they didn't have a pastoral authority. They might have had good intentions. But they didn't have any covering. You cannot operate in spiritual authority if you're not submitted to spiritual authority. Won't happen. And the spirit did to him, did to them, what was really going on in the spirit. Stripped them of their covering. Tore their clothes off and they were naked in that place because there was no, there was no spiritual mantle that covered them. And the Bible says, man, I feel like preaching here for a minute. The Bible says you cannot put the anointing on the flesh. If you pour the oil on the flesh, it's an abomination. There has to be a coat that covers you. You've got to wear your daddy's coat. You don't send somebody out in their own ministry. You send them under the authority that God has given you. You're you're not operating your own anointing. You're not operating in your own ministry. You do that, you're dead. You're done. You're gone. God can't give favor. But you give me somebody to wear their daddy's coat. Somebody to wear the pastoral authority that they're under. You know what? You'll have spiritual authority and the devils will be subject to you. Just going, well, that's a city needs a church. I think we ought to just go there and start a church, you know. And I'm telling you, you go there without being sent. It's not about just going, it's being sent. How can you hear without a preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? Let me deal with the United Pentecostal Church for a minute, submission to that. Well, the the United Pentecostal Church is not my pastor. Paul, Paul talked about submission to authority. Submission is vertical authority to your pastor. Just don't go out. Well, you need to go let me. I got, I got a call. Pastor, you need to go let me plant a church and whatever. You need to submit to that authority. But also the Bible says submit yourself to your brethren. There's vertical submission and there's horizontal submission. That's why we have an application process. To start a church and to plant a church, whether it's North American missions, whether it's a daughter work, or whether it's a preaching point. We've got to be submitted to one another. Can you say amen? 
And so, um, understanding sonship, understanding this is very key. Everybody say submission. I want you to lift your hand and say, I want to have spiritual authority. Hallelujah. I want to be a trusted voice. I want to be a trusted voice. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Let us have spiritual authority. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When, um, uh, let, let, me, let me talk to you about uh, something else here. And so, practical instruction for a multi-campus church. I do believe it's very spiritual. Just because there's an open city doesn't mean that's the will of God. Uh, you make a note, study Acts 16. I personally believe it's the blueprint of church planning. Uh, Acts 16. Uh, Paul was about going, going, going. And uh, he wanted to go, and you'll find that he wanted to go to Asia, and the Holy Ghost forbid him to go. He said, no, 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 no. And I believe what the general conference was, the next city, I believe there's the next city. But I also believe there's the city. Not just a city. There's a specific city. And uh, he wanted to go to Asia, and the Holy Ghost said no, and he had a vision in the night. He had a night vision. How many know he did? There was a man from Macedonia that said what? Come and help us. Come and help us. And what did he do? He immediately knew it was from the Lord, went to Macedonia, and he started a prayer meeting. In the prayer meeting, he, prayer meeting, he came out of there, and there's a lady that sold purple by the name of Lydia. Baptized her. When there was a convert, all hell broke out. A woman of divination showed up because, watch, you get into a city where there's a stronghold, you're going to fight spiritual things. Uh, we have seen, uh, I won't name the cities, but I know across our movement in different countries that we have sent people to cities uncovered. They had a burden. Uh, how many ever heard the term parachute church planting? That's a term you want to hear if you haven't. And what that meant was the plane flies over and the pastor and his family jump out of the plane. We give them Christmas for Christ money. They jump out and they get a backpack full of money and a Bible in that backpack, and the, the North American Missions family jumps out of the plane and parachutes and lands in the city all by themselves. It's like, it's like flying down on the beaches of Normandy. You're going to take this city all by you. are going to take it all by yourself. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And what we've seen is some places we have sent preachers, every preacher that went there backslid or fell into adultery. It's in our country. I'm not going to name the cities. We've seen it in other countries. Everyone. And, and watch, be careful, because we will label that man or that woman immoral, take their license, done with them, their failures, their this, their that. Be careful how you judge people. The Bible says if you see somebody overtaken in a fault, overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. And if we're not careful, we label people according to their failure and don't understand why it happened. Sincere, uncovered, was taken out by the enemy. I, I believe in restoration. If you know me, you know that. There's a place of restoration. It's not my subject here today. But what I'm saying is you just don't go to a city by yourself without somebody covering you in prayer. Somebody that you're submitted to. I personally believe Abraham would have never been blessed without Melchizedek. Where did he come from? Had an earthly mother, no earthly father, and there's debate about that, but, but his, his origin. But, 
uh, uh, I personally believe he was type of Christ. The Bible says he's type of Christ. But what we do know about him, he was a priest of Salem. And Abraham couldn't have been blessed without a priest in his life he could submit to and pay tithes to. How many know it's true? He had to have somebody covering him. Everybody needs a priest. And the mindset, well, I'm a pastor, I don't need a pastor, is ignorant. It's not biblical. You've got to have a pastor. I don't care if you're 72. I don't care if you're 42. I don't care if you're 25. I don't care what meetings you preach. I don't care how many churches you have. I don't care how many people you want to the Lord. You better have a priest that's over you. Or you're going to be like the seven sons of Stephen. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose everything because you don't have anything protecting you. Oh, let there be an amen in this building. And I know it's not common. I know we don't talk about, well, I'm a pastor. I don't need a pastor. That mindset was years ago. It should not be right now. When you go into a city, you've got reinforcement. You've got angels there. Amen. David went, and David went, man, I feel this, Bishop. David went to fight Goliath out of the commission of his daddy. His dad sent him with bread in his hand. He didn't just go on his own. His dad sent him with bread on his hand because he was obeying his father. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Saul was called to be the king when he was looking for his father's donkeys. If we're not careful, we'll get out there by ourselves. I'm just doing my thing. It's my ministry. It's my calling. No, 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 no. I'm going because I've been sent by the superiors in my life. They asked me to go. They asked me to go. And oh, I'm sent by God. You better be sent by God and the spiritual authority in your life. God will never send you without the approval of a supervisor. Of a superior. I want you to lift your hand to say, I believe this. I believe this. I, uh, I always had a burden. My dad was a multi-campus pastor for a period of time. And, and he's a church planner as well. My dad's an amazing man. Dad and mom, they just planted the fourth church. Um, but I'll never forget uh, Brother Eli Hernandez. I, I miss that man. I believe he's a prophet of the Lord. Uh, and he was here preaching. And he preached a message here. And uh, he preached on how do you spell faith. And he's preached on R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K. How do you spell faith? Well, he didn't just preach good sermons. He preached prophetic words. Did you? He did. You had the words that you would walk on and need later. How many of you ever went to, went, and you needed a word from the Lord? How many of you ever had a word from the Lord? You know what I learned about getting a word from God? You're going to need it. Oh, man, I got a word from the Lord. You're going to need it. You're going to have to stand on it. And uh, he preached on how he spelled faith. R-I-S-K. And uh, we went out to the house. And just the way we do, because I really believe in the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, manless, pastors, and teachers. I think we've got to embrace that. Growing up, there was three that we saw, two that we accepted. Really, it was a pastor and evangelist. We didn't know what apostle was, prophet was. I think we understood maybe a little bit about teaching. But the fivefold ministry is for the edification of the church. And uh, somebody like that comes, I would have the ministers come out. Brother Mealy, you remember that. Uh, come out to my house, or sitting around the fireplace. And we get out, sometimes when we hang out with the preachers that preach for us, sometimes we cut up and laugh. Other times we get spiritual. We joke around, talk about life. Sometimes we're eating good food and we just, sometimes the Holy Ghost falls. In my house, uh, he was sitting in the recliner by the fireplace. I was sitting there not far from him. Interesting how it works. Let me, let me just talk about fivefold ministry just a second here. And uh, uh, I'm talking about spiritual. I'm going to get practical in just a few minutes. But um, he turns, he lifts his hands. And when he lifts his hands in that recliner, the spirit of prophecy came in my house. 
and just atmosphere changed. How many know the Saul could prophesy when he was around the prophets? There's an atmosphere that comes with a prophet. And some of you are locking things in your churches because you have the same evangelist every year, but you don't have prophets come in. You're malnourished. I, I told our church one time, I said, there's, there's a lot of frustration in the building, the reason we haven't had a prophet here. I, I can't be the prophet to my church. I could maybe, let's just assume, I could be a voice, a prophetic voice to another congregation. Uh, but I can't be the five-fold ministry in my church. I don't care if you operate in the, the, all the five-fold ministry, you're one of those. You can't do that to your own congregation. The Bible says we know in part, no flesh shall glory in His presence. You need to pray that God will send you a prophet. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Because it's all in the Old Testament. I want you to pray, God, I want you to raise up prophets. Pray you'll send us a prophet. A trusted voice to show us the clarity in the direction of our future as a body. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Trusted voices. Trusted voices. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody say prophets. And I got to church on Sunday morning. I said, I realize there's been frustration. There's a, there's a little frustration in the building. I said, the reason we haven't had a prophet, and I'm not that to you. I said, uh, but we got a prophet coming tonight. And when he comes, you're going to feel set free. Well, we did. It wasn't Brother Hernandez. It was Brother Wade that came. He got up on Sunday night, and he said, I sense there's been frustration in the building. Same words. He didn't hear what I said. He said, but God's going to give a word and going to bring edification to the body. That's the power of a prophet. Frustration in the building, you feel like service isn't breaking because you can't do it as a pastor. You need to have somebody that operates in that level to give clarity and direction. Anyhow, it, Brother Hernandez is in my house, lifted his hands. Spirit of prophecy came just like that. He turned around to my mother-in-law, who he didn't know was my mother-in-law, and said, come here. And, and he said, come here. He said, I want you... He didn't, know, he didn't know who she was. He'd, I think it was the first time he'd maybe preach for us. He said, come here. I want you to pray for Sister Bounds. I want you to put your hand on her right leg. He said, the Lord has sent you here to serve her. Not knowing this was my wife's mother. Her right leg is a leg that got damaged in the car wreck in 1998. Guardrail came through the car at 70 miles an hour. It rolled that guardrail like a coil around that car. She nearly died, nearly bled to death, and, and uh, nearly cut her leg off, just below her. She doesn't have any feeling below her knee. The perineal nerve, that much. Almost the whole top of her calf was gone. It comes up and just her legs gets real small below her knee. But God gave her a miracle. She's able to walk. They don't know how she has feeling on the bottom of her, feeling came on the bottom of her foot. It's like cutting the power cord of that light, but somehow the light's still light. They said, we can't explain it. And uh, see, prophetic, prophetic things... This is not practical only. It's prophetic. For the Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved. Brother Cole taught us. He said, I find out where the Holy Ghost is going and I show up. And we've got to be spiritual enough that where's the Holy Ghost moving? We've got to stop right here. This is not about just the next city. I'm for that. This is where the Holy Ghost wants us to go. 
There is another city. There is another campus. You know what? Man, I feel this. And if you will find where the Holy Ghost is going, God's going to provide the team. Yes, he will. In 1 Samuel, chapter, in the chapter 9, I believe it is, uh, when Saul at his inauguration, remember he hid among the stuff, then he came out and was inaugurated. The Bible says that when he left the inauguration, been anointed, that when he left, the Bible said there was a band of men whose hearts were stirred by God that went with him. When God calls you to a city, He is going to call people to serve with you. Not going to be this alone stuff. He's going to call a team to go with you. Somebody say amen. They're going to be called as much as you are. They're going to be called as much as you are. Um, and so when we went, uh, when we, y'all feel what I feel. There's an impartation here. There really is. There's a move of God in this room. There's going to be a band of people, that's an army terms, going to go with you. God stirred them to go with him, to serve with him. So I'm in the living room, and uh, this was happening with my wife. And I knew this was a miracle thing. My mother-in-law had just, father-in-law had just moved in town. And uh, in, that was in 08. He goes around the room, starts prophesying. Everybody in the room, exactly, except one person, went around the room prophesying what they'd be, what they would do. In the spirit of prophecy, I fell to my knees and the Lord spoke to me. I don't say that casually. I got on my knees. Brother Ellis, when I got on my knees, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a vision. He said, I want you to go to Crooksville and start a church. He said, there's prophetic roots there that have not come to pass yet. He said, but when you go there and preach the gospel... Those prophetic roots are going to sprout new life. He said the enemy could shave Samson's head, but they couldn't touch his roots. Exactly what he told me, verbatim. They can shave his head, but they can't touch his roots. Years ago, there was a powerful church in Crooksville. And they had moved to another city. And, and moved, moved to another city. And during that time, there were backsliders that went everywhere. And... Uh, in that moment, I said, Brother Melick, I said, uh, I, told, I told what God had just spoke to me, and Brother, Brother Hernandez prophesied to me about some opposition that happened and what he prophesied did come to pass. But I said, Brother Melick, I need you to go down there and find us a building. And uh, um, he did. He went down and he said, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, across the street from the original United Pentecostal Church in Crooksville, the old Methodist Church of the Brethren buildings for sale. Really? But we went down there. He said, Brother Media, I want you to stand. I want to honor you. Stand. This is a great man. I don't know what I'd do without him. He used to be a Sunday school kid in that Church of the Brethren Methodist Church down there. And he said, I used to make fun of all those Pentecostal kids across the street. You, know? <laughs> you didn't know you were going to become one of them. You know? And uh, you remember that? You remember when you said, there's a building. We went down and looked at that building. It was, had water damage, seat about 180 people, had a house with it, three parcels of ground. We went, I went and sat on the platform like this. Those, those pews in there, ugly pews, needed work. I just started dreaming. What if God? What if God would do something here? I just started dreaming that day, and I came out of there and, and uh, talked myself out of it. You ever talked yourself out of doing something for God? I talked myself out of it. You know why I talked myself out of it? Because we didn't have enough money. 
We didn't have enough help, I thought. I, I needed some help at this church. I had some people saying, you know, you know what? You, you, why don't you just drive people from that community? Let me tell you something about rural communities. They want to bank, they want to grocery shop, and go to church in their town. It's, it's not like Columbus. It's not like Cincinnati or Cleveland. A rural town like Crooksville, they don't want to leave to go to church somewhere. They want to go to church right there. And so, uh, so anyhow, I taught myself out of it. And uh, I went to... I went to a conference in, uh, it was actually this conference back in the day, Revival Summit at Brother Dillingham's church. If I remember, it was Brother Dillingham's church. And I went there and uh, I taught myself, it doesn't make sense, I'm just passionate. How many ever make excuses? I'm just passionate, I just want to see the gospel and I taught myself out of it. And had a word from the Lord, but I taught myself out of it. Sound like Gideon. Can I lay another fleece? He did five, I think, you know, you studied um, I went on a Friday night. I talked myself out of it. Jerry and Wayne Dillon's preaching. And he stopped in the middle of his message. And he said, you know how you spell faith? I think he jumped and kicked his leg. If you've ever heard him preach. You know how you spell faith? He said, R-I-S-K. Now listen, he didn't have anything to do with his message. Had everything to do with me. It was a word for me. It didn't match it. He stopped in the middle. That's the power of preaching. The Bible says we'll be edified through preaching. Don't, don't isolate and stay home instead of going to conferences. Go. Go. You'll be edified through preaching. That's for somebody here right now. Quit isolating. You know when the spirit of Jezebel comes against you and you feel spiritual opposition, you know what you want to do? You want to go get under a juniper tree and then go in a cave and hide yourself. The stupidest thing, I sound like Brother Cornwell right now preaching, Amen. The, the dumbest thing that Elijah ever did is when he told his servant, stay over there and I'm going yonder. Don't ever separate from the people that God called to serve you. The United Pentecostal Church is a servant to you. They are here to help you. You will isolate and you will die. Preaching will edify you. Get your wife, get your children and go to the conference and hear preaching. Go to the camp meeting, go to the district conference. Go to You need to hear preaching. I drove all the way to that conference and was going to stay in the hotel. That's the truth, Bishop, because I was fighting opposition. And I said, I don't feel good. My wife said, we drove all the way here. You've got to go to the conference. You know what I've learned? Come here. You know what I've learned is when I feel this pressure to not go, it's because there's something getting ready to be spoken in my life. Something to be spoken in my life. And when you're fighting spiritual battles, the one thing you're going to want to do is, is, is isolate yourself, hide in a cave, and want to die. Instead of listening to the opposition of isolation, you need to get up and go be with your brethren. That is a word from the Lord for somebody in this room. You need to go around your brothers. You need to go around your sisters and let them serve you and help you. It is not good to be alone. Somebody say amen. And uh, the dumbest thing he ever did was say, you stay there. I'm going yonder. And I went, so I went, and he said, R-I-S-K. How do you spell faith? Somebody help me. R-I-S-K. And that was on a Friday night. On Sunday night, I had a dream. And I had a dream. I didn't have enough faith. I had, in my dream, I didn't have enough faith to move forward on that old building in Crooksville. And that there was a lady that showed up because I didn't have enough faith, Brother Tory. There was a lady that showed up with short hair. I can still see her now. Short white hair and uh, grayish hair. 
And she bought that building and turned it into an art center. And I wake up and when I woke up, the Lord gave me a number, $63,500. They won $150,000. They dropped the price to, I think, $130,000 for this church in Crooksville. I called Brother Melick. I said, we need to have a board meeting. I feel God would give me a dream. I feel we offered $63,500. We did. We didn't have any money. It was when we were in a recession. They weren't renewing church loans. We had a $450,000, $500,000 loan on this building. We had to get it renewed because of amortization. We couldn't go get a loan. We didn't have any money in the bank. I didn't, we didn't have enough people. And uh, uh, anyhow, we made an offer. Somebody shout faith. They accepted it. We made an offer on Monday. They accepted it on Tuesday. And uh, we got in a contract for, for 50. We got in contract for this building. And we had 50 days to come up with money. We had 10 days left. And he came to me because he's a great businessman. And real, he does our realtor, realty stuff here at the church. And he said, Pastor, I'm not trying to bring pressure to you. But we've got 10 days to come up with the money. And we haven't even talked to a bank. I did. If you see me do this. That's not a good sign. I felt stress coming all over me. You know what I did? We were at the hospital when you told me that and praying with somebody. I came here. I walked in my office. I grabbed the file with all the stuff for Crooksville Church. I walked in this, right down this center aisle. I came to this altar in this specific place. I was actually on this side, just a little bit right here. I laid the folder down. And I said, God, I didn't ask to go to Crooksville. You asked me to go, and I don't have any money. I need you to do something because I don't know what to do. I leave this auditorium and my phone rings. And a lady said, hey, I just want you to know I'm sending $1,000 to Crooksville. I heard you're going to plant a church. I left there, Jack Lehman called me. He said, I want you to know, I've heard about you going to my hometown. He said, I'm sending $1,000. Somebody called me and said, hey, we've been raising money because I heard you're going to Crooksville. We want to send this $5,000. And nobody knew my prayer except him. Hallelujah. We went the next week. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to receive an offering from Brother Godwin. He said, I'm going to take care of Crooksville on Sunday. I'm going to take care of Crooksville. On Friday night of revival, I received an offering. Next day, Mark Morgan called me, Bishop Mark Morgan. He's been a prophetic voice here. He said, the Lord told me to tell you to receive an offering from Brother Godwin. I said, I did last night. He said, well, praise God. I felt the call to tell you for some reason. See how it works? Spiritual alignment. On Sunday morning, on Sunday night, on Sunday morning, Brother Tony Richard stand. I'll take more time in this story than I plan on, but I feel faith here. Sunday morning, this man came to the Lord. He's a United Pentecostal Church preacher's son that had been backslid for 22 years. He repented on Sunday morning. Thank you, Brother Tony. I'll get back to that. 22 years out of the church and right there, prayed through the Holy Ghost in five minutes. He said, 22 years and no peace. 22 years and no peace. And in five minutes in the altar, I got it all back. That was Sunday morning. Sunday night, I come to the church, and I'm standing right here. Service is moving, and I get up, and, I, and at the end of the service, we got an evangelist, Brother Goblin's here, and I start, mm, mm, If you hear a preacher humming, you know what that means? He feels good, he just doesn't know what to say. And there's a lady laid out on the altar. She's speaking in tongues. She's shaking like this. Her name is Becky Nutter, 35 years out of the church. And she had just prayed through. She had got the Holy Ghost in that church years ago. She's laid out in the altar. She's speaking with other tongues. And here she is, 
praying through the Holy Ghost. And I said, I said, oh, my goodness. I said, y'all know we're talking about going to Crooksville. We want to go to Crooksville. Becky Nutter got the Holy Ghost in Crooksville when there was a church there when she was a kid. Here she's prayed through tonight. I said, isn't that powerful? A man in cowboy boots named Bob Spring. Man in cowboy boots come running up. You'd like those cowboy boots there, Texan. He came running up. He never does this. But he was used of the Lord. He ran up these steps and stood right here beside me. And he said, I'll give $1,000 to Crooksville. Just like that. He's a quiet man. I give $1,000. I didn't receive an offering. I wasn't talking about money. Another person jumped in and said, I'll give $1,000. No one said, I'll give $500. No one said, I'll give $250. A little girl, six years old, jumped up on her seat. She said, Pastor, I'll give $2. $40,000 later. $40,000 later. That was on Sunday night. The contract was due Thursday and Thursday morning, I was, had to swing by. We were going to go give the check to get the building. And the secretary called me Thursday morning. She said, I just want you to know the last dollar for that money for that building came in this morning. On the way to go give the money for that building. How do you spell faith? And your dad called me. Bishop Ellis called me. He said, for the bounds, the Lord said to tell you that provision always follows vision. You're waiting on the resources and God's waiting on you to have faith. We never had money to do what we need to do. Never had the money to do what we need to do. But God's always provided the money. Let me tell you a neat thing. So, so, so three and a half years later, I'm transitioning out of that because I went there. I, uh, I took a music team. Uh, I just want to tell you a story. I'm trying to get, get back on my notes, but I just don't feel to. I need to tell you what I feel. Three and a half years later, after we went there, baptized 132 people in that town. That small, small town. People backslid for years. Elders kids out of that church. Sunday school kids out of that church came and repented. 32 years backslid out of the church. Came back. One after another came back. Filled the seats up. Holy Ghost move of God. I can tell you a lot of funny stories, but I just move on because I'm living on time. But there, it, was, it was an amazing, one of the most powerful things that God did. He, he told me, he said, if you go, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll send the help. And he did. And three and a half years later, God dealt with me about transitioning out and I didn't want to but I told the Lord I said I don't want to stop pastoring here he said I didn't ask you to pastor it I asked you to start it that's the word I gave you he said if you say you stay you'll destroy it that's what he told me I said okay <laughs> who do you want the Lord showed me Tony Richards face in prayer I went to brother Tony and I said brother Tony you have a burden for Crooksville he started crying he said I do They got a picture of me standing in front of the stained glass windows because you took that picture and you knew he'd be the next pastor. Sister Sarah Mealy, lady of God. She tells you it's going to rain, you better get your umbrellas. So I have a burden. He said, do you remember that Sunday night when we took up that $40,000 offering? I said, I do. He said, that Sunday morning is the morning I came to the Lord. Do you know on Sunday morning, when he woke up that morning, do you know when he woke up, he told his wife, I'm going to the altar today? And three and a half years later, what I realized, when God said, I'm going to take care of Crooksville, on Sunday night, he provided the money, but on Sunday morning, he had provided the man. He cut it on He was backslid, but he was in his hand. He was preserved seed in the hand of God. 
Job, Job 14 says, Job 14 says, Though a tree be cut down, yet through the scent of water, it'll sprout again, it'll live again. Before we could ever get to Crooksfield, just the scent of water that we were coming, backsliders started praying through. Brother Tony came back to the Lord. I'm telling you what I feel. There's going to be people that's going to come back to your church when you begin to obey God and go to that place that God has called you. They're in the hand of God. Watch this. Remember the dream I told you I had? Ten years after that dream, the banker called me and said, I want to talk to you about banking with us here. Your church in Zanesville banking with Community Bank. And he's a president of the bank. And uh, he's a very successful man. Sit down with me. We sit down at the table. The Holy Ghost fell. He started crying. He said, I don't know what it is when I get around you. I start crying. I said, it's God. That's what we feel. He started crying. He said, I got something to tell you. He said, there was a lady that was going to buy that building in Crooksville. I said, hold on a minute. Does she have short hair and was she going to turn into an art center? He said, she sure was. He said, she wanted to buy it, but I held her off because I wanted you to have it. Tell me if God doesn't know where we're at. And there's somebody in this building that God's been touching your heart. He's been speaking to your spirit and you've been waiting on resources instead of waiting on Him. But God said, if you'll just trust Him and do what He's told you to do, He's going to provide everything that you need. That's what I feel. Stand your feet and lift your hands. Receive the Lord. I receive of the Lord. I receive of the Lord today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Man, amen. You can be seated. There is a powerful church in Crooksville today. Powerful church. That was 2009. Brother Tony and Sister Angel Stan, I, I honor you today. They are well, some of the finest Christians I know. Hardworking, powerful <laughs> ministers. Amen. But it, it didn't happen by accident. It didn't just we had a word. We had been very intentional prior to that. Tuesday nights, we trained preachers once a month, uh, young ministers. And like I said last night, I teach uh, just to, I would teach how to prepare a sermon, how to pray. What is the anointing? What does it mean to be anointed? I get those young preachers in a move of God, and I told them, I said, y'all be ready to preach no matter when it is. I get these preachers, and that sometimes five minutes before service, because that's how my daddy would do it. He said, you're preaching tonight. And what I do, I wait till the, when the service got real hot. You know, I'm not talking about temperature. I'm talking about the anointing. Service got really rocking. I said, all right, get up there and preach. I wanted to experience in the flow of God. So they didn't have to build it up. And I let them, I get, let them preach. I let them Wednesday nights. I let them uh, uh, receive, the, receive the offering and make announcements. And one of the young preachers told me one time, we had a snow day. And he said, we're not having church. I said, no. He said, I had something I wanted to say during an offering. You know, he wanted to preach a little bit, you know. And uh, we gave them opportunities to preach and how to preach a sermon, how to pray, years of this, how, how to preach a funeral. And um, when we went and I taught our leaders, Salmon, 
Produce a sound man. Ushers, teach other people to be ushers. So just multiply yourself. Musicians, you're a drummer, you're a bass player, you're a guitar, multiply yourself. So when we went to Crooksville, when we went to Crooksville, guess what I had? I had a guy that showed up before we went that's from that area, sat on the front seat, and he said, I'm home. He said, I need to feel like I, I've, been a, I've been out of church for 20, 22 years, or 23 years he'd been out of church. He said, I need, I need to make up for lost time. How can I help? And he said, let me go down and make sure, take care of that building for you. He said, I'll open the door and I'll, I'll lock it. I'll make sure it's warm. I'll make sure it's cool in the summer. And he said, let me just do that. I had somebody to open the door. Brother Melik refurbished the building. Brother Nutter, the men, we put a new roof on that. Remember that, Brother Nutter? All the work you did there? God provided everything we needed. We had an usher. We had head usher, hostess. We had an altar team. We had musicians. We had children's ministers. We had nursery workers. Because I didn't stand up in front of the anchor and say, hey, I'm going to start a church in Crooksville. You know what I said? The anchor church is so healthy in Zanesville. We are going to have a baby. Because if I would have said, I'm going to start a church, every time somebody couldn't get a hold of me, every time somebody couldn't meet with me, they'd have said, what? He spent all his time at the Crooksville church. He didn't love us. I'm just talking about wisdom. But when I said, we, us, our Guess what happened? The whole church bought into it. We would have 60 people. We had church here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And we would go there Sunday at 2 and Tuesdays, then later Thursdays at 2. But we would go there. We would have 60 people to go to all three services on Sunday. They'd go Sunday morning, Sunday night here, those 60, and they would be at the Crooksville Church. They went to Crooksville for a year and a half or two years. And when Cammie... Uh, Cammie and her three kids came and gave the life to the Lord and got the Holy Ghost. She didn't know she's the only member of the church and her family. There were 60 people there worshiping God and not all were working, but they were there. They were excited. What I'm saying, this can't just be about you. This is an us. This is we're working together. And God provided. God provided. And uh, so you've got to be intentional. Teach your people to multiply themselves. And um, uh, when we go, we have... We have one board, we have one set of bylaws, one name, the anchor church. We have one treasure that takes care of that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and 1, if you'll throw that up here, this is our model. We believe it's one, one church in many locations. Are y'all good? Isn't it powerful what God can do? We believe one church in multiple locations. He's, Paul addressed this mindset. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. What was it? Verse 2, up on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. Read on. And when I come, whomsoever you shall uh, approve by your letters, tell uh, them will I send to bring your liberality unto where? Jerusalem, the hub city. We believe for us, Zanesville is the hub city. And when they receive, we have seven other campuses. When they receive their offerings on Sunday, they have a designated person that counts that and does everything in the, the legal way and fills out their paperwork, and they bring that deposit here to be deposited, and our treasure processes that uh, for them. We have one board, one treasure for all the campuses. And uh, we believe it's the biblical, the biblical model for us, and that's what we do. So the board governs the decision, going to buy a new property, and uh, I know Brother Nutter, pastor's in, in Coshocton, and they bought the next building, and that went through the board decision to, to take care of that and do that. But it is a biblical model, we believe. It's a biblical model 
that we can govern. Now, preachers that come in, we are always trying to train up new what? Preachers. I've learned if I send, here they keep coming. Every time I send a family, I get a new family. Every time I send a preacher, I get more preachers. It just is, is consistent of training up and sending out. Um, I'm going to stop here for a minute. Um, we got a few minutes here. A couple more things I was going to cover, but I, I think let's, let's have a Q&A. And uh, how, many have, how many have received what I've said today? And so, Brother Noe, come up here and sit with me. Brother Noe, uh, sit here. He does exactly what we do in Guatemala. And stepped out in faith, bought property. They have a hub city. It is in Sachet, Guatemala. And uh, uh, Brother Adam, I sent you a video the other day on your phone. Can you get that um, about the Guatemala church? I texted it to you. Can you have that on the screen? Would that take a minute or are you good? I want you to see something. Brother Noe went, we sent him and, um, to Guatemala to do the same. He is licensed with the United Pentecostal Church of Guatemala. He submitted to them. Everything he's done there has been approved by their, their, uh, their board in Guatemala. If they would tell him no, it's no. And, and there's been those moments. And I've told him, you've got to be submitted. You don't have any spiritual authority. I believe that with all of my heart. I really do. And 16 works. Uh, they own the building property there. It hasn't all, let me tell you something. It hasn't always been easy. I can't tell you how many times I've done this number. One time he wanted to get a loan. He called me. He said, I wanted to, we got to move forward. We got to move. We need. I was in the choir loft. We used to have choir chairs up there. I got in between one of them was praying. And the Lord said, tell him if he gets that loan, it's going to bind his spirit. And he's going to feel pressured to pay that payment. And, it, and he's going to put so much pressure on those people, they're going to stop winning souls and the revival is going to be lost. I called him from the altar. Brother Noe, and he got mad at me a little bit. I said, Brother Noe, the Lord said, do not get that loan that's going to cause the revival to be lost. Just being real. I mean, I'm not saying that every time somebody tells us something, we like to hear it. I said, the Lord said no on the loan. He could have went and got that loan, but he submitted. And when he submitted, God moved on the people. And the people, without pressure, started one service after another, coming up and laying property deeds on the altar, like in the book of Acts. Properties all over. I could tell stories all day about it. I don't have time. But one property, like the book of Acts revival. And those people gave unprecedented cars. They gave businesses. They, am I telling the truth? And paid for that and built a beautiful building. Do you have that available, Brother Adam? Can it, can it happen? Huh? Take, take that back there and here. I'm sorry that I didn't have this planned, but let me, let me, let me get this on here. It's worth seeing. Um, and everybody okay? And uh, because I want you to see this church in, in Guatemala that has been built by, by, this, by this mindset that we have. There are thousands now. I could, have, I could have kept you here. You were trained. Great soul winner. Everybody they put him with on a job, he'd win. I mean, he just was influential. And uh, I could have said, we need a Spanish ministry here in Zanesville. But when Brother Morgan came and prophesied, 
the four dimensions of the harvest. And he didn't say, lift your eye on the field. He said, lift your eye on the fields. He turned around and said, this one, not going to have a harvest here. You've got to invest in another field. When you came to me and said, Pastor Bounds, I've got a burden for Guatemala. There's no way. No way I could keep him here. We sent him there, and the Lord provided every dollar we needed. Sort of sometimes like this. How many know the Lord's going to make a way? While they're getting that ready, do you have uh, any, any questions on this? Anybody? Any, any questions about daughter work campuses? Any? Somebody asked me, what is, what is your commitment to them? We're in 100%. We go to a city, we feel like God's called us to go there. We support them. I remember one time, it's, what I have learned, it's, it's easy to send people's time and their talent, but it's hard to send their treasure. It's hard to send tithe payers to another city because we have a local budget here. Every pastor in the room knows what I'm talking about. Don't judge me. And I had people helping the daughter work, and then they come, and I realized that's the city they live in. That's where God, that's where, that's where they're going to be effective. And we'd talk, they'd say, Pastor, what do you want us to do? I'd say, uh, uh, let me think about it. <laughs> Almost like David numbered the people. You know, it's, a, it's an edgy place. But I'll never forget the first time that I allowed somebody to go to another city and sent all of them, ties and all. And uh, I sent them more in one direction. We had more campuses going. I said, you're helping there. You live there. Pay your ties there. I mean, it was, I might as well stepped off the boat and stepped on water for me. You know when I did? I made a decision on a, that week, and on Sunday, a preacher preaching for us, he said, he said, Pastor, he's just preacher coming through. He said, with balance? I said, yeah. He said, the Lord said there's a $15,000 offering in the church tonight. I said, well, let the Lord have his way. Amen. Amen. He got up and said, there's a $15,000 offering in this building. And a man was coming, had passed through, was here from Texas, and the Lord had spoken to him already to give a $15,000 offering. Before he came. $32,000 later came in that. God more than supplied what those people would have been given in one service after we made the decision. How many know they're not ours, they're the Lord's? Everybody say, they're the Lord's. And if you will trust God, He's going to provide. And you know what? Even though we've sent to different cities, different countries, and our, our missions, our missions has been, uh, our missions giving has went through the roof, our sending has went We've had increase every single year in our finances, no matter how many families we've sent to other cities. That's the truth. And uh, I forget how many families it was we sent to Daughter Works and we grew 300. 